Hi, everyone. These are your hosts, Tim and Yulia. Hi, Yulia. Hello, Tim. Welcome to episode four of the Peace Ed Chat, a podcast all about peace, peace education, and peace building. Today, we are excited to have Kenneth Jamra from the Queen's University in Canada to talk about his work on peace education and peace building. Kenneth Jamra is a certified K-12 educator and researcher with a Bachelor of Education from the University of Education, Winneba in Ghana, and a master's degree in education policy and international development from the University of Bristol, UK. He is a Shivnin scholar. He has worked in K-12 and higher education across Canada, the UK, and Ghana. Kenneth is currently pursuing a PhD in education with specialization in curriculum and policy studies at Queen's University in Canada. His scholarship and research focus on curriculum and policy studies, STEM education, decolonizing education, and the role of African indigenous knowledge systems in rethinking education. Kenneth's published work have focused on social justice and equity issues in K-12 education, peace education, international and comparative education, educational assessment, and teacher education. Hi, Kenneth. Thanks a lot for joining us today to talk about your research. You are doing some very exciting and innovative work, and we are looking forward to learning more about it and sharing it with our listeners. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Hello, Kenneth. Um, I would like to start by thanking you for joining us today to share such an important and frankly fascinating work. I would like to start by asking you to tell us about yourself and your professional and personal background a little more, in addition to the biography that Tim just shared, in particular in terms of what brought you to peace work. Thank you very much, Julia. So in terms of my professional and personal background, I am a teacher and originally from Ghana. I grew up in Ghana and spent most of my adult life there. I became a teacher in 2014 and worked in secondary school as a math and science teacher for four years before moving to the UK to study for a master's in education policy and international development at Bristol. So um, when I moved to the UK on the education policy course, I was exposed to peace education and international education. And I found great interest in some of the models there and I decided to dive deeper into it. In terms of peace building, peace education work, I started looking at it from decolonial lens, specifically how we rethink peace education by not only focusing on violence as it pertains to war and conflict, but also even within educational systems, how education can sometimes promote different violence and how the same system could be a very transformative tool or space that can also bring about inclusion and address conflict. So I decided to look more into some of the literature and I realized that most of the frameworks that engage peace education, peace building and peace building through education were mostly focused on the Western context, um, which that is what I was introduced to in most of the readings. But then I realized that within indigenous context too, such as in the case of Ghana, we have some peace building frameworks and philosophies 
that have been developed since time immemorial and been passed on to generation to generation, which have various connections to how we can also address conflict and live in unity with others. So I decided to look at how African indigenous knowledge systems can serve as a potential tool or framework in championing peace education and peace building. And the goal is not to replace what we have, but the goal is to also look at peace building through multiple perspectives because um, we live in a very diverse and multicultural world. And I believe that different cultures and systems have their own ways of understanding these concepts. So that is when I decided to look at how Ghanaian indigenous knowledge systems can support this work. It's definitely fascinating. I have been definitely struggling with the fact that a lot of work written about and on peace is actually very Western-centered and there's very little from decolonial or African or other indigenous perspectives. So that's why I find your work extremely fascinating. So Kenneth, what does peace building through education mean? And can you talk more about the differences between peace building, peace education and peace building through education? Okay, thank you, Tim. So peace building through education is very contextual and it focuses on the interaction between educational systems, stakeholders and key actors in an effort towards promoting peace and inclusion in the educational system and also wider society. So this kind of interaction involves working towards restructuring and reimagining educational structures, educational policy systems and standards and also how educational curricula can promote social justice and peace in a more broad sense. So when it comes to the differences between peace building through education, peace building and peace education, I think it's there are differences, but there are also similarities and common traits. So in terms of peace building, peace building is understood. I know there are different definitions, but for me, I understand it as a comprehensive concept that encompasses, generate, and also sustains the full array of processes, approaches, and stages that are needed to transform conflict towards more sustainable, peaceful relationships. So in this case, peace building does not end with a peace accord or even, as we say, ceasing fire, but rather it involves the continuous transformation of processes that are needed to create a peaceful environment of inclusivity that is also premised on the idea of equity and social justice within communities, especially those that have gone through violent conflict. And peace education, mostly when I look at it, there are a lot of definitions, but I usually lean towards the one proposed by UNESCO 2017. And according to UNESCO, peace education is a process and also a practice of identifying the challenges of achieving peace and also developing nonviolent skills to help prevent and transform violent conflict. And also it involves promoting peaceful attitudes, which is really, really, really important. So these are um, learned 
formally, informally, and non-formally within families, in schools, through peers, in communities, and through media and other outlets. So in thinking through the differences between peace building through education, peace building, and peace education, I would like to acknowledge that it can sometimes be very difficult, but um, this is how I think through them. Um, well, thank you, Kenneth. That's very helpful to know these distinctions because these concepts are often used interchangeably. If we can move forward a little bit, can you tell us about your research on integrating African indigenous knowledge systems into peacebuilding discourses and why, why is it important to do so? Yeah, so for the past three years, I think, yeah, four years now, my work has focused on integrating African indigenous knowledge systems into education broadly. But because of my interest in peace building, I have identified the potential of these indigenous knowledge systems in shaping our understanding when it comes to peace building, especially through education. Within educational systems, especially the one we have in Ghana, we are, the system was developed from a very Eurocentric lens. As when we look at history, it tells us that former education in Ghana was developed by the British during the British colonial era. As a result, there are still systems and policies that we have in place that continue to mimic British colonial era educational policies. That usually tends to bring segregation and also tends to promote Western knowledge systems, pedagogies, and practices. As a result of that, our indigenous Ghanaian knowledge systems, which are visible within communities that students can relate better are not introduced in topics like when we have civic education or um, citizenship education. So my work has focused more on how we can leverage these indigenous frameworks, especially when it comes to peace building and inclusion for Ghana's educational system, because it tends to focus primarily on what is not ours. As a result, there's a need for us to center our indigenous ways of knowing and being when we think about these issues. When you also look at the literature, peace building through education has been critiqued as being potentially a Eurocentric endeavor. And in response, there have been calls for more indigenous and localized peace building approaches to be incorporated, both at the micro and also at the macro levels of education to promote peace and bring transformation. So I specifically draw upon Sankofa, which is a Ghanaian indigenous framework to think about how we could go back into the past and also look within communities to find ways in which the elders and the people who came before us were able to promote peaceful coexistence among the different ethnic and indigenous communities, how were they able to live together, even in the presence of conflict, how were they able to address them? And also it's about the need for us to live together in a good way. And within schools, we have students from different cultural and ethnic backgrounds. And in Ghana, we have had issues when it comes to misunderstanding between ethnic groups 
And most of the time, there's this idea of superiority that comes from some of the dominant ethnic groups. So even when we think about colonization, looking at the African indigenous knowledge system framework helps us to understand that colonization is not only limited to the West and the rest or the West and the global South, but also within localized communities or societies too, there is this master savior or there's this dominant non-dominant relationship that unfold. So how have these communities been able to live together? How can we bring in our own understanding of inclusion, of equity, of fairness, of unity? And I believe that we can better do this very well when we look at what we already have. And that is where the indigenous knowledge systems and frameworks for peace building like Sankofa comes in. So can you tell us about Sankofa and why you decided to theorize it through peace building, through education in Ghana? Yes, sure. So Sankofa is an Akan word, uh, which is, we say Sankofa as a word, but then it is also three words put together as one. So San, Ko, and Fa. Um, the San means return, Ko means go, and Fa means look, take, seek or learn so this is a ghanaian akan word so the akan is an ethnic group in ghana and in their language which is the akan they have this word sankofa sankofa is an indigenous philosophy which like i said is traceable to the akan ethnic group in ghana whose local languages traditions customs and cultural values have become very popular within west africa so the overarching tenet of the Sankofa philosophy came from the collection of the Edinkra symbols. So among the Akans, they make use of symbols in expressing knowledge. And one of the popular symbols within Africa is the Edinkra symbols, which have a collection of different symbolic expressions. And Sankofa is found within that total collection of Edinkra symbols. And in terms of its visual representation, Sankofa is actually a bed, like looking back with an egg in its mouth. And the idea is that it conveys the Akan proverb, which is, which translates as, it is not wrong to fetch what is at risk of being left behind. So the idea is it is not wrong to go back to the past and learn from what happened and take the good and bring it in this present life. So it is crafted in the lesson that because the past entails the wisdom and experiences of the ancient, the present search for knowledge and solutions to challenges such as issues around conflict, cannot exclude indigenous wisdom, knowledge, and experiences of elders. So going back to your question around why it is important for us to look at Sankofa as a theory for peace building, I believe when we look at Sankofa, one of the things that we can learn about is the need for us to always 
be critical, reflexive. The need for us to reflect on our practices, the need for us to also learn from others, especially learn from communities. When we think about education and peace building, we look at it from how can we also benefit from the informal spaces where we have elders who have these knowledges, who have these stories, who have these practices that learners within the classroom can learn from. So the idea of Sankofa is critical remembering. It is not to say that everything in the past is glorious. We need to move away from romanticizing frameworks, especially as they develop from the global south, but then we need to engage them critically. So looking back, there are wisdom, there are teachings that are useful for today's existence. So how can we look back and bring these philosophies, these teachings and document them and translate them into pedagogical tools, for instance. So that is how I, I come to understand Sankofa when we think through it within the broader framework of peace building through education. I'm wondering if Sankofa is something widely known amongst people of Ghana. I'm asking because you, you, you did mention colonialism and we know from a lot of literature now how much colonialism damaged or even destroyed indigenous knowledge systems across the world. And, you know, obviously subsequent education systems, they continue to, to impose this Western knowledge systems. And I'm also wondering because a lot of, I think, African, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of African knowledge systems have been transmitted orally instead of in written form. And, you know, how much of it we still have and uh, how much do people know about this in Ghana? Yeah, this is a very important question. Sankofa is widely known among people in Ghana. I would say in Ghana. I'm not sure globally. I think now there are emerging scholarship, like a lot of scholars doing decolonial work, especially those from Ghana and West Africa. And also in the Caribbean, they are thinking about Sankofa as it offers a very useful framework for us to think about even the impact of colonialism and even look at it as a decolonial praxis. So it is not so known externally, but among Ghanaians, it is very known. And one thing that I would like to add to this is that when you go to Ghana, Sankofa is from the Akans, but I also did some work in the northern part of Ghana. They also have their own version of Sankofa. You know, they wouldn't call it that, but then they also have that within their cultural frameworks and their indigenous ways of knowing. So I would say in the context of Ghana, yes. And like you are right when it comes to the impact of colonialism and how it has destroyed indigenous knowledge systems. With my current doctoral study, I collected data in Ghana. And when I engaged teachers in conversations on indigenous knowledge systems, the teachers were very positive about it. But then they were also saying that they have been undervalued even the ones that are in existence that they know that they can bring into their teaching because the curriculum does not offer like that kind of space for teachers to draw upon these African indigenous knowledge systems. Unfortunately, teachers do not even see its usefulness, not because they are not useful, but they think it is not needed in schools. 
like educational systems or schools are not a place for that kind of knowledge and like you said because it is also transmitted orally there's this misconception about indigenous knowledges as people only limit them to traditional knowledge or local knowledge but they go beyond that they also have in them technologies they have in them innovation systems practices languages and when these misconceptions are perpetuated because of how we position western knowledge and other knowledge systems it kind of make even colonized people think that what they have is not really useful because in in ghana we place so much significance uh, on education so if the schools are not saying this is useful then we cannot use them and as a result there's this untapped asset which reside in the cultural frameworks of the people carried by the elders but then we are not able to benefit from it because of the impact of colonialism because when we look at schooling in Ghana or schooling in many African countries and even other colonized contexts you could see that it was not educational systems were not developed for the locals it was developed to champion the objective of the european colonizer and as a result it is very difficult for the school system even today after years of achieving independence for us to really draw upon some of these indigenous knowledge systems that can support the agenda for quality education so i would say you are very right on that yulia it's really unfortunate something that is so extremely important and yet is so sidelined in the education system so i was about to ask you a question i'm going to ask that uh, but i will also ask you so i will start with a question so when you think about like examples of how sankofa can actually make a contribution to peace building through education whether in ghana or west africa or all around the world but i also wanted to ask you to to comment on how can, can we actually persuade education systems ministers or anyone any decision makers to actually incorporate these knowledge systems or these frameworks into education system okay so i think first of all i would talk about the contribution of sankofa and then i'll then um bring in the policy angle in terms of education in ghana i think sankofa is very crucial when currently the country is promoting inclusive education and we cannot really achieve inclusive education when we leave out peace or peace building or peace education so for us to have that inclusion objective realized sankofa comes in because it calls for the need to examine the past, the present and the future to create that future that speaks about the local people experiences and also how we can live well with others. So for us to even dismantle colonialism and colonial violence within the school system, there's a need for us to look at sankofa and think about what has happened in the past in present times what is happening what kind of future do we want to have especially when we think about peace especially when we think about unity especially when we also look into community 
because we know that Guineans, many African cultures are communal, but in an era where there are injustice, there's oppression and all of that, Sankofa provide that kind of alternative lens for us to understand peace building and, and also draw upon it as a framework that we can live, a framework that we can practice in our daily lives. I think that in terms of Sankofa's contribution also, we could look at it from even methodological and theory, because when you look at the methods in which we even conduct our research on peace building, and I'll cite example, especially when it comes to scholars who are often based in the global south doing work within conflict affected contests within Ghana and also other um, places, one thing that I have noticed is that they really engage the indigenous or the local peace building frameworks that these people know. So Sankofa helps us to look back. So for us to actually do this kind of work, we really need to look at communities. We really need to look at the agencies that these communities have and try to think about how their own understanding of peace building can help shape whatever is happening that we want to do with them. So it helps us to even look at how we can build authentic community engagement with people who are affected by peace. It also provides an avenue for us to look at pedagogies. How do we look at teaching peace building or peace education within schools where we are drawing upon the lived experiences of these students? How are we also using the knowledges, the frameworks that these students are already familiar with? Because we have this understanding that when we engage the knowledges and experiences of the learner based on their culture or when we center their indigenous knowledge systems in what we teach, they are able to have a better understanding. And so I think that Sankofa also comes as a very important pedagogical tool because it can help teachers to reflect on their teaching, to even look at the curriculum and think about what other alternative approaches or ideas or even examples and resources could be integrated into their teaching to provide a holistic interpretation to topics such as peace building, peace and peace education. In that sense, I think Sankofa has a great role to play there. In terms of persuading the policy makers, I think we need a lot of um, advocacy work on this because unfortunately what I have seen uh, is that in Ghana, educational leaders are always looking at the West as where best practices or best examples come from. I don't have any issue with that because it is important for us to learn from others. But the challenge with that is that they end up copying policies, frameworks, and tools that are not fit for our context. And this idea that valorize um, Western knowledge systems are superior and as um, the only uh, ways in which we can learn about peace and peace building or even education broadly is problematic in the sense that it ends up suppressing other voices, other knowledges and systems 
that could actually contribute to shaping our understanding and also helping transforming education. So I do believe that education policy makers need to look at the local context and see what we already have and build upon them. There's the need for us not to only focus on what we have, but there's a need for us to have what indigenous scholars in what we now call Canada, called the two-eyed scene, having two eyes, one eye for the other context and then one eye for the local indigenous perspective. In so doing, we are not teaching our learners about peace building from only the Western lens, but we are also teaching them that, oh, within your communities, you already have these things. And even when we look at the role of elders or teachers, we can see our mothers, our fathers, our aunties, all these people as resources where we could go to to learn about these things. Because gradually, due to westernization, many ethnic groups in Ghana are losing their indigenous knowledges. Because even when it comes to language, everybody wants their child to learn English. It is important for you to learn English, but then what about the local language? Research has shown that when a child knows their own indigenous language, they are able to even do well in other languages. So I think one thing is that it's not only just about policymakers, but also parents, because research in this area has shown that many parents resist indigenous education within the African context because of that misconception that everything from the West is the best. So I think we really need a more wider systemic approach where we look at all the various stakeholders of education. And I see the role of parents as very critical in this um, endeavor. Thank you so much, Kenneth. So since you started working on education for peace building, what have been your most encouraging or challenging discoveries? Okay, I will talk about the challenging ones. I think this work on indigenous knowledges, especially from the African context, is not new. There are scholarship dating back like in the 1970s. There are a lot of African scholars who have done this work. But unfortunately, I'm not seeing many young scholars like myself championing this work. There are a few of us who are looking at indigenous knowledges and it's kind of make it very difficult as you find it challenging to connect with other young scholars doing this work. So I think that's one challenge. And also another challenge has been the misconception. Like when you talk about, oh, I'm doing my work on indigenous knowledge, people are like, ah, are you talking about fetish? Like because of this misconception that indigenous knowledges are anti-development, they are fetish, they are traditional, they are local, they are not modern, they are not civilized, you know? So people have that assumption, which is very wrong when we talk about that. And people also think uh, when you talk about indigenous knowledge systems and the need to bring them into education, you want to go back to ancestral, you know, like <laughs> it's very, 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 very challenging because there is little education on this. People limit it. So that is like some of the challenges that I have found and the resistance, especially when it comes to this work from policy makers who are always 
thinking about the need to catch up with the West and those discourses. So it's, it makes it difficult to convince policy makers to like accept this. In terms of the, the encouraging, I think even though, like I said, there are a few young or emerging scholars doing this work, I think I have seen that there are many scholars who are like old in their career who have provided the foundation for this kind of work to happen. So for me, that makes me happy that if today it's still difficult for us, then in their time it was difficult, but then they have been able to lay a solid foundation, which some of us are able to build upon. And I also think that institutions are currently expressing interest in learning more about indigenous knowledge systems and indigenous education. So in that sense, it's the future is bright for this scholarship because even in the global north, there's so much interest in this work, which means that if we are able to keep pushing it and keep publishing, keep doing our work on this, it will, it will definitely help in transforming education, not just in indigenous communities, but also in non-indigenous communities. Well, there's certainly a lot to hope with this scholarship and with your contribution, right? So it's going to, a lot of other, I'm sure, scholars are going to be to be building on that. Kenneth, if I may ask you about what lessons other countries or other contexts can learn from Sankofa um, and your, your, your way of theorizing Sankofa in Ghana? Okay, so there are a lot of lessons that could be learned from Sankofa because I know in other contexts, they may not call it Sankofa, but within different interpretations or even within how they see history, it is important that we keep reflecting on the past and using whatever happened in the past or even history to right the wrongs, you know? So I believe that for education specifically, pedagogy is very crucial. When teachers critically reflect on their pedagogic practice in terms of even the selection of teaching and learning materials and resources, and also even when it comes to interaction with students, they can better develop culturally relevant and responsive teaching practices that open ethical spaces of engagement within the classroom. So for other countries, I think that there are students from diverse contexts within the classroom. And as a teacher, when you look at Sankofa, it also is a way of you looking at other perspectives, other lens, other um, ways of teaching or ways of sharing knowledge with your students. So since the educational system across the world is very dominated by Euro-Western knowledge systems, um, Sankofa calls for the need for us to think about hybridity, think about seeing from multiple lens. And I believe that in terms of choice of materials, in terms of pedagogies, in terms of examples, and resources, teachers can play a very crucial role in making them very diverse. And Sankofa, for me, offers that lens that how can we go back? How can we even look within our classrooms and understand 
the learners from their intersectional identities and create spaces for them to feel they belong. You know, so that constant critical reflection, which is central in Sankofa, can be very useful there. And also, I do believe that in terms of research, there's a need for us to also look at multiple or diverse or different methodologies because we have some methodologies that are situated within the mainstream educational research frameworks. But when we look outside, we'll be able to also learn and apply different frameworks such as Sankofa, which is very versatile in the sense that it can serve as a pedagogy, it can serve as a methodology, and it can also serve as a theory. So just like how Ubuntu as a framework has been um, utilized and applied in different educational and societal contexts, Sankofa also is very viable as we think about the need for us to decolonize education, the need for us to hope for a better future where everyone feel belong in education, in society. So I believe that Sankofa is very central for this kind of work to happen and other countries could also learn from their own cultures. Because when you come to Canada, for instance, there's a history that the indigenous people were colonized here and their land was taken and so many things have happened, you know, and there's now truth and reconciliation. And so how do we even look at Sankofa when we engage in indigenous issues? How are we being human-centered? How are we being communal-centered? And I know in other parts of the world, they all have their own challenges and issues. But then looking, not just using Sankofa as, for me, a Ghanaian scholar may apply it, but then others can also adapt it in different ways to engage in some of these difficult conversations. So I think, yeah, that's what I would like to add to that. Yeah. Thank you, Kenneth. This was a very rich and important discussion. We really appreciate you for being with us today. Thank you. Yeah, I also want to thank you, Kenneth. That was a very powerful sharing and especially the last part in terms of what can be learned. Uh, thank you so much for this. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to Peace Ed Chat with your hosts, Timothy and Yulia. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode and the deep dive into peace education in Ghana and in particular into Ghana's indigenous knowledge framework of Sankofa that can contribute to conflict resolution and peace building. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with others. To catch all the latest from us, you can follow this podcast on Twitter and LinkedIn at Peace Ed Chat and find us on Spotify. That's all for now. You will hear from us soon.